Hello, Duck fans! Welcome, it's a new week and a new day here, Thursday edition of the show, and we've got a lot to catch up on. As you well know, I've spent the last week and a half talking about the 64 greatest college basketball players of all time. I uh, encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's a great history lesson and a lot of fun. Please contact me uh, to let me know on social media who should be on that list, who shouldn't be on that list. Yesterday, we had an incredibly fun time with Q from Locked On Raiders talking Marcus Mariota. Had a really good time with that. And tomorrow, we will be uh, bringing you an interview with the host of Locked On Rams to talk some draft prospects. In particular, the Rams seem to be pretty interested in Troy Dye and Shane Lemieux. So there's a lot of good stuff coming your way there. Looking forward to doing that. But today, we're going to try and get caught up on some Ducks news. There is a lot to talk about, a lot to do. So we're going to be talking uh, uh, some real feel-good news, and I don't mean that in a in a I don't mean that derisively. Some fe- a feel-good story about a uh, former Duck wide receiver, and then we're going to talk about Anthony Brown, a new addition to the team at the quarterback position from Boston College, and then we're going to break down a little bit, uh, or at least try to get through the offensive line and the offensive scheme. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis. Yes, during this sports apocalypse, and that's what I've been calling it, during this time, we are bringing you a bit more than the usual daily updates on Ducks news for football and basketball simply because there isn't a whole lot going on. And as you know, we've been covering uh, various things in in the last couple of weeks and we'll continue to do a lot of crossover shows with our national partners on the Locked On Network to talk about what we can from the NFL because at least on the surface, the NFL is business as usual. You can always reach out to the show at Locked On Ducks on Twitter, and you can find me, your host, Jordan Long, on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy. And if you want to send in questions or comments, really appreciate it. We do have our Monday mailbag session. Sometimes we do it on Wednesdays, but anyways, we'd love to get input from listeners. I like to think of this as the People's Podcast. So reach out to me on Twitter using the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtag AskLodPod. If Twitter's not your jam, that's okay. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the Instagrams, so I. Don't quite know how to be reached on there yet, but uh, I can uh, take care of you on Facebook where you just, you know, search for my name on Facebook, Jordan Long, and my picture is the Locked on Ducks logo. Just hit me up on there. I also post updates on my Facebook page there or on the Locked on Ducks uh, Facebook page. If you haven't already, please click subscribe on like Apple Podcasts or like follow if you're listening on Spotify or figure out a way to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and uh, do if you're listening to Apple Podcasts great way to support the show leave five out of five stars if you don't think I deserve five stars please leave five anyway and you know put in a a review and, and I'll try and fix whatever it was that didn't make you want to leave five stars in the first place but Appreciate your support. Appreciate you listening. These are some honestly dark times that we're going through, and everybody's doing their best. I know that 
A big shout out to all the medical personnel holding down the fort, all the uh, food service and grocery service, all that stuff that are out there, you know, keeping, keeping things running as best they can. I'm very fortunate to be here at home doing a podcast. And so thank you for joining me. Uh, let's go ahead and get on to the action. First up, and I tease this out at the open, that I, I want to do a, a feel-good story. And like I said, that's not a feel-good story like a fluff piece, but a feel-good story as in uh, during these times, we need to be reminded of all the heroes that, that are out there. And we talked about the medical personnel. We talked about the, the service workers out there. And there are a lot of people doing their best to keep the ship afloat while we are going through all this coronavirus stuff. But uh, uh, Keenan Lowe, a former star-wide receiver and Oregon Duck, w- received the nation's highest civilian honor uh, by the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor Foundation. Now, if if you remember back in May of last year, May 17th, Keenan was a security guard and also a coach at Park Rose High School. And he... Now, the, the term they used was intercepted, but uh, I don't know if that was a, a terribly timed football pun. But uh, anyway, he disarmed uh, a Parco senior, Angel Granados Diaz, who had a loaded shotgun and was honestly planning on shooting up the school. And one thing that made Lowe's interception of the gunman so remarkable was... Not only did he disarm the gunman, but he embraced him and hugged him until the police arrived. And it was a showing of just how important it is to remain compassionate in the face of overwhelming uh, evil, if you will, if I can put it like that. He was Time Magazine's uh, Hero of the Year last year, and on March 25th, he was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor's uh, Citizen's Distinction for a a single act of heroism. And I I know we all saw the footage. And it just just takes my breath away a little bit to think of of a hero like that. He was was also given the Portland Police Bureau's highest civilian honor, the Civilian Medal of Heroism for that. And he just recently was hired by Westland High School as their football coach after leaving Park Rose, where he actually led... Park Rose to their first state playoff win in program history and at Park Rose Broncos. He he led the Broncos to their most successful season ever. Uh, it's just really phenomenal stuff right there. Uh, you know, uh, there are all kinds of heroes out there. And I really just just love to be able to talk about this exceptional human being and and definitely a personal hero of mine. Not just on on the field, but as a coach and as someone who took the time to uh, show compassion at a time when he could have just tackled the kid to the floor and kept his knee in his back. But instead, he embraced Angel Granados Diaz and uh, after disarming his shotgun. So uh, anyway, uh, just yeah, really wanted to start start off the show with some great news there. Uh, We're going to be taking a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a new transfer from Boston College, Anthony Brown. And this QB transfer raises a lot of questions, I think, Um, at least as far as important discussions about the quarterback uh, position are concerned. 
And then we're going to get into a breakdown of the offensive line. You see, tomorrow we're going to be talking with uh, Locked On Rams host about some of the offensive line position or, or, or prospects that are going in, in the draft this year. So I want to do a quick review of the outgoing class of offensive linemen and then review who might be starting this year and what we can look forward to as far as the offensive line is concerned. So go ahead and stick around after the break. We're going to be talking offensive line and uh, I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and we were talking about a personal hero of mine, Keenan Lowe, uh, former Oregon Ducks wide receiver. And as I talked about before the break, we are going to talk the offensive line of the Oregon Ducks. But before we get to that, we're going to be talking about Anthony Brown, Boston College quarterback, who came out and said he wanted to finish his college career at Oregon and has since officially transferred uh, here to Eugene. Now, I think this brings up an important discussion about a QB competition with Tyler Shuck. In fact, I put out a Twitter poll earlier today. Hopefully, you got a chance to take part of it. Uh, I'm always posting polls. I love to get input from the audience and discussion topics and feedback. So uh, that would have been on uh, at Locked On Ducks. That's where I post the poll. And then my personal Twitter account at the Dustoff Guy. I go ahead and, and retweet that. So uh, you can find it there. But anyway. About three quarters of you said that QB competition is good. Okay. Now the now the choices were uh, Shuck should clearly is a clear choice for quarterback, and the second choice was no no QB competition is a good thing, and the third choice was that getting Anthony Brown was trying to acquire a legit quarterback. Now honestly, I didn't mean to bias the survey by using that term legit, but I just wanted to make a statement that if they, the Ducks had any, if Cristobal had any intention of undermining Tyler Shuck, uh, then I, I think that would have been reflected in this kind of question. But anyway, back to the poll. Three quarters of you said that QB competition is a good thing, and a quarter of you said that Shuck should clearly get the job as quarterback, that there was no competition. And believe it or not, no one replied that this move to acquire Anthony Brown, or at least the transfer, was not done in order to get a legit quarterback. And, I mean, obviously that's a, a vote of confidence for Tyler Shuck. It's a vote of confidence that the Ducks know what the heck they're doing. Now, I, I tend to favor, it, it, my opinion is that Shuck should clearly get it and that he earned it. And we're going to get to why that is in, in just a second. But... Anthony Brown is a graduate transfer. He was a three-year starter at Boston College. And coming out of high school, he was a three-star composite recruit. Y'all know I use that 24-7 sports composite ranking, which is an amalgam of all the uh, you know ESPN rivals and so forth. It puts them all together and gives us a ranking, so I use that. And he was a three-star composite. He went to St. John Vianney Regional High School. Uh, it's from Holmdale, New Jersey. Six foot one, 210 pounds. He's considered a dual threat quarterback. And I think that's a really important note here is that the offense is transitioning towards more running by the quarterback, or at least a threat of run by the quarterback. And as we saw in the senior bowl, and as we're going to talk about the more we talk about Justin Herbert going forward, uh, we know that he is a legit run threat, but that just wasn't showcased until really until the Rose Bowl. I mean, between high school and the Rose Bowl, 
he only had a handful of rushing yards. Now, I think that the coronavirus, the, the sports apocalypse has shut down, uh, the way it shut down sports, that's a, that's a huge part of this decision, okay? And this is where I, I tend to say, Shuck should clearly get it. But if there are no spring practices, if it, they've already been canceled, yes, the, the spring practice has been canceled. And if this doesn't, I don't want to say blow over, it's not, it's not a mild thing, but if we aren't back to business as usual, or at least playing, uh, having practices by, by the end of summer, and then they decide to start the season, it's going to be really important to have a quarterback with some, you know, actual ex- like like in-game experience as a three-year starter. If y'all remember the the lockout, I, I don't think it's any secret that the NFL lockout. I don't think it's any secret that my favorite team are the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. And if you remember the lockout where they came back just before the season, and Michael Vick came back with no practice and had a had a real bummer of a season, and and that was felt widely throughout throughout the NFL. And I think the Ducks are smart, that Cristobal, Moorhead, our boys are smart to be able to identify the need for someone to be able to step in should there be no real opportunities to develop Shuck or practice in the interim period due to coronavirus. So, you know, that's what I mean by the fact that I think they can bring in a guy like Anthony Brown and it's not a knock against Shuck at all. It's it, it, In fact, it's preparing for the worst. As I, as I like to say, you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And as three quarters of you said out there, QB competition is a good thing. And this isn't, I don't think it's, it's anything against the rest of the QB room. I mean, Jay, Jay Butterfield is one of the highest rated prospects to come into Oregon's QB room. And Robbie Ashford is going to be a phenomenal quarterback. He's an amazing prospect, but let's just take a step back and look at this for a minute. Robbie Ashford is also a, a, a dual athlete who plays baseball. And given the state of athletics right now in the nation, it's entirely possible that his baseball prospects are enhanced by the sports apocalypse and what, however coronavirus unfolds. So his future as a, a signee intending to, to join the Ducks roster next year, well, that's uncertain now. So I really think a, a transfer with, with three years starter time at Anthony Brown is a really good, really responsible and high-minded call by the Ducks. It provides competition. It gives us a something to fall back onto. If, gosh, you know, what is it, September 5th, we're opening against North Dakota, and there just hasn't been time to practice before then. We've seen this happen in sports before with lockouts. There's there's nothing to, to say that they aren't just going to say, okay, nobody's had a chance to practice, so it's a level playing field. So, all right, September, get ready, get set, go. And... A week after our opening game in, in September, we're going to be playing the Ohio State on September 12th. So having a competent, experienced thrower at that position, I think, really bodes well for the coming season. And if if worse doesn't come to worse, which gosh, I hope it doesn't, we've at least provided a QB room with a ton of competition. 
So before we get to the offensive line and, you know, the outgoing class, the incoming class, and then I really like to break down, you know, what Joe Moorhead and a changing of the guard on the offensive line means for Oregon's offensive scheme as far as pass blocking, run blocking, and all that stuff. I want to get into that real bad, but I have to lay this groundwork. You know that I like doing that, so we are going to be talking offensive line, but first I do want to share a couple of important notes. Troy Dye and Justin Herbert have been have won the Skis Team MVP award, so they're the, the Ducks' most valuable player. And this is actually the third time that Troy Dye and the third time that Justin Herbert have won the Team MVP award. And here's a little fun fact for you. The only other player to win that award three times in program history is legendary Marcus Mariota, which we talked a ton about on yesterday's show with my boy Q from Locked on Raiders. Please go back and listen to that if you haven't. I know I, I just love that history stuff in these notes. So so three times team MVP Troy Dye and Justin Herbert. And, you know, I've, I've seen in so many, so many different characterizations of last season that it was Herbert and Dye. Now we get really wrapped up in Justin Herbert because obviously he's this phenomenal quarterback prospect and you know 2019 he was a top overall draft prospect and now gosh he's a top 10 draft prospect. I'm still pulling for number one overall by the Bengals. I think there's an upset. We'll talk about that more on on a different show but Troy Dye was just important to the Ducks in this in this period of time, in this last three to four years, right? It was Die and Herbert who led the Ducks. Now remember, four and eight, four and eight. We're talking about we're. Oh, I, I don't even want to go to those those dark days. But four and eight in 2016, all the way three years later, Herbert and Die bring him to Pac-12 championship champions and uh, Rose Bowl winners. Uh, I mean that in this last season, that's just phenomenal. I think Troy Die is. You know, the Justin Herbert of the defense, if you will. And, of course, you hear that cliche, right? Quarterback of the defense is this linebacker. But Troy Dye, unsung hero, doesn't get enough attention. Really appreciate the fact that uh, they have both been recognized this year as team MVPs because of what they were able to do during their tenure at Oregon. And, you know, there are, there are eight starters returning on defense. And the top three running backs are coming back. And even the top two receivers, and by that I'm talking about number of yards and receptions and so forth, the top two receivers are coming back. But this this quarterback position and the offensive line remain unknowns. We're losing five seniors on the offensive line. And as you know, the offensive line was probably the best in the nation last season. And so this is a huge question mark. And something I really want to get into on the other side of the break, I got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking Oregon Ducks offensive line going forward. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host. And we've been covering kind of all over the map today, right? I'm trying to get uh, caught up on a lot of important and good and fun news in in the Ducks world. We've been spending the the sports apocalypse, I guess. You know, I, I think... I think about, you know, American Pie and the day the music died and all that stuff and those instances where someone says, hey, where were you when XYZ happened? And I remember uh, cozying in, sitting down to watch the Pac-12 championship. Yes, I could not make it to Vegas to watch it in person, but I was going to watch the men's basketball Pac-12 
Ducks opening game at noon. I was cozying in about uh, 11.30 and suddenly the NBA announced that they were suspending operations. And, uh, you know, a, a day that will live in infamy and, and so forth, right? So so since the sports apocalypse began, we've been covering, uh, doing our best to make up for a lack of March Madness by talking about the 64 greatest basketball players of all time. Yes, I see the numbers. I see the numbers. Those are not, let's just say those are not my most highly rated shows. And I get that. I get that. In fact, right now, I, th- I think the episode on Ty Montgomery pro- as a prospect is is the highest rated show. But uh, I really enjoyed taking a step back and being able to delve into our love of sports and history and talk about those those greatest basketball players of all time. And subsequent to that, we're getting back into the swing of things by connecting with the national shows because, I mean, let's face it, the NFL is, I say business as usual, and that's on the surface because, you know, as you may or may not know, the NFL has, behind the scenes, put out all these restrictions. How many hours per week teams are allowed to uh, Skype or FaceTime with prospects? So there's a lot going on behind the scenes to, to restrict and control coronavirus concerns. But uh, on the surface, because of free agency, because of the way the draft works, and yes, there's going to be a draft, and yes, I'm going to cover the draft, uh, instead of flying to Philadelphia to join, shout out to the at GoBirds pod, uh, instead of flying to Philadelphia to, to join my, my men over there in uh, the Eagles podcasting world to, to watch the draft. I'm going to be at home like the rest of us. In fact, at home, like the draft prospects themselves, because it's going to be done remotely. But until that happens, it is business as usual. So I, I'm sorry, I digress. Uh, last season, the Oregon Ducks had the most experienced offensive line in the country. Yes, the most experienced offensive line in the country. With the Ducks uh, rushing for an average of over 200 yards per game last season. And that included 239 rushing yards against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. And this is the first time in program history that three offensive linemen have not only been invited to the Combine, but are strong draft prospects. And honestly, I think that this offensive line needs to be considered or or regarded with the same reverence as Troy Dye and Justin Herbert, who we talked to whom we talked about uh, just going into the break. They are responsible for reviving this program from four and eight to Pac-12 champions and Rose Bowl winners. So we have three people who are going to be drafted, and that's Calvin Throckmorton, uh, right tackle. He's the, He was the fourth best lineman in Pac-12. That's per pro football focus. Versatile, right? Played at every position on the line, and he played them well. Played 52 consecutive games. And let me tell you this. One sack allowed in the final 3,224 snaps. Shane Lemieux. And we're going to be getting into this, especially tomorrow with Locked On Rams. And then I, I, I've been uh, working with a host of Locked On Broncos to be able to talk to them about some of these draft prospects. So please stay tuned and find out where our boys from Oregon are going to wind up. But Shane Lemieux, guard, top five in his position. And and Jake Hansen, also a top five in his position. And of course, this isn't to mention, obviously there are uh, four other draft prospects, but these are the ones that I'm really focusing on for uh, the, the, because they're the offensive line. 
And we have Dallas Warmack, who was a senior last season and a right guard. He wasn't invited to the combine, but he is considered an NFL prospect. Very excited to see what happens. Lots of surprises happen in, in the NFL. Uh, oh gosh, what was that statistic? It's not a huge number, but it is more than 10%. But in the 2019 draft, uh, 34 people who were not invited to the combine wound up getting drafted. So let's keep our heads up and and, and think about Dallas Warmack in, in the draft. Also, Brady Aiello, who was a senior last season, uh, another guard, moved from tackle uh, the year before last uh, to guard as, as a senior. He only had five starts, but was a regular rotational player throughout the season and really is a, a sixth string starter. And there wasn't enough tape to be a draft prospect, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'd be shocked with, with the way that the you know with with Lemieux and and Warmack and and of course all the other uh, guard prospects in, in the draft, but we'll we'll see what happens. Anyway, there's a new era of offensive line personnel. That's kind of the old guard, right? Throckmorton, Lemieux, Hanson, Warmack, Aiello, and the person who's ushering in. I'm gonna talk best first, and I usually save the best for last, but we're going to talk best first. And by best, I just mean most experience and, and uh, most accolades, and that's going to be Panay Sewell, uh, left tackle. He's naturally the the leader of this group, right? He's a consensus All-American and an Outland Trophy winner, and that's as a, a sophomore last season. And per pro football focus, he was the top interior lineman in the country. And he's the only blocker in the country with over a 90 grade in both pass blocking and run blocking. This person is phenomenal. He's a top-ranked run blocker in the FBS at 95.3. And I'm just, fair warning, right? Spoiler alert, this guy's probably getting drafted in 2021. So we need to be thinking about who's going to be taking today's place at, at that point. And I'm only, before we run out of time today, I'm only going to be able to talk about a, a handful of the other offensive linemen in this group coming up this season. But I do want to mention Alex Forsyth, uh, guard. Uh, he was a three-star recruit from Westland High School who has a new football coach, my hero, right? Uh, and like Throckmorton, very versatile, including taking more, in fact, more snaps at center than Calvin Throckmorton did. In fact, and you didn't hear it here first, but I would like to say that, uh, it's quite possible he's going to be the starter in the center position in the 2020 season. He's going to be competing with Ryan Walk, who hopefully we'll have time to get to. But it's quite possible that Forsyth is the name we see at center moving forward. Uh, Steven Jones is a sophomore this year, right tackle, 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six seven, 354 pounds. Now, note the size. We're going to be talking about size. When I get into offensive scheme, size is going to become an important part of the conversation. But Jones was a four-star recruit and a national top 250 prospect in 2018. He played five games that season, red-shirted last season, and still has three years of eligibility. So we're talking about a guy who, a big doggone guy, who comes in with 
relatively speaking, a lot of experience. Very excited about this position at right tackle. I watched some tape on him. He's massive and strong. He's not just he's not just one of these big guys. He has the muscle and the and the strength along with the size. And he was just manhandling defenses whenever I saw him on tape. Now it's quite possible we talked about Panay Sewell moving on in the 2021 draft. Now maybe I'm not the first one to call this, but I'm telling you right now, you heard it here, folks. He's going to replace Panay Sewell at left tackle in 2021. Oh my gosh, I can't believe the time. Let's see if I can get through a couple more before we call it a day. All right, here goes, folks. And I do want to uh, get Keith out there to go ahead and correct me on this, but let's give it a try. Mala Sala, Amavai Lalu, uh, Redshirt Jr., plays kind of guard and tackle, six foot six, 313 pounds. Remember, size. He transferred from a community college in uh, 2019. And before that, he played for uh, Henderson High School in Nevada. He only got an offer from SMU coming out of high school. So he actually went to the community college level and he developed into a four-star recruit. Watch this tape. This kid's nasty. He's tough. He's strong. He actually lost 70 pounds coming into Oregon. So huge upside. Really looking forward to it. Jonah Tawanu, uh, a freshman, another, you know, they, they play these guys. This happens a lot more at, at the college level, right? Where we we swing him from tackle to guard and see see what we can get out of him. But he was a four-star recruit and a top 75 prospect in the nation. He played limited games at guard and tackle. And watching his tape a little bit, he was very raw, but very strong. Okay, and I think there's a lot of corrections to be made. The kid's a freshman, a lot of growth potential. He's going to be outstanding with a huge upside. And last, I'm going to try and get through this real quick. TJ Bass, another guard, uh, a junior college transfer like, like Jonah, but he was the number one junior college guard in the nation. Six foot five, 334 pounds. Remember, Size. We're going to be talking about this. I'm going to have to wrap it up in a second, but we're going to be talking about how important size is in Joe Moorhead's offense coming uh, coming up in a uh, soon to soon to come to you show. The huddle highlight reel just terrifying. I, I can't even go. I mean, I I'm probably going to have nightmares tonight after watching Bass just 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 freak out on defenses. He's big. He's physical. He doesn't mess around. Has a mean streak was some of the stuff I was hearing uh, about him. Uh, oh, gosh, look at the time. Okay, I did it again. Man, I got a, a, a Bill Walton school of uh, podcasting here. Anyway, really appreciate you all listening. I got to go ahead and wrap it up. This has been Locked on Ducks. You can always find the show on Twitter at Locked on Ducks. And I'm Jordan Long, your host. You can find me on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy. And I'm telling you, First person to ask me at hashtags logpod, ask logpod, that's hashtag ask L-O-D-P-O-D, what dustoff guy means, or at least guess it, uh, you get a shout out on the show. That's the least I can do. The most I can do, I I think my kid, if you have a eight-year-old, he's 10 now and he has a Ducks jersey that doesn't fit him anymore. So maybe maybe we can throw that in a gift bag if you can tell me on hashtags ask logpod why I, I call myself uh, the dustoff guy. But anyway... Enough about me. Uh, it's the show. Please follow us on Twitter at Locked On Ducks. And if uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, click subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, click follow. And there's other ways to to make sure you attach yourself to the show. Uh, it's as good as listening every day. 
right? Okay, so back when I was in the army, we used to get these tests where uh, the the instructor would, would stomp their foot while they asked you a certain question, or they might say, hey, you want to highlight this in your notes? Uh, th so let me tell you, highlight this in your notes. Click subscribe or follow on your podcast player. That's as good as listening to every single episode, okay? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Okay. A wink's as good as a nod to a blind man, I suppose. But I digress. Um, my name's Jordan Long. This is Locked on Ducks. Very happy to be with you. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be joined by the host of Locked on Rams to discuss or uh, Oregon Ducks draft prospects in the NFL. And hopefully we can get to the offensive scheme and how Joe Moorhead and the new era of offensive linemen are, are going to affect uh, Oregon's scheme. So yes, Locked on Ducks. Have a great day. Love y'all. Thank you for joining me and go Ducks.